0: Last week Bob um, reminded us that uh, Peter and John went to pray and they met a lame man on the way and he held out his palms and asked for arms and this is what Peter did say, he said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God, ha! In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, that's the old uh, song that Bob was alluding to last week, and he didn't sing it, uh, and I didn't sing it either. So there we go. <laughs> so, but that's the story, that Peter and John went to pray, and they met this lame man, and they healed the lame man. And uh, I'm going to read uh, chapter 3. I'm just going to read a few verses at a time, and we will go through it. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. And we'll just look at a few verses at a time and try and understand what happened next. So Acts chapter 3, and I'll be reading from verse 11. Uh, while you're looking that up, I'll just say a prayer. Father God, please speak through your word. Uh, cause us to hear your voice. Cause us to know what you want to say to each of us as a community and as individuals. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While the lame man who was healed clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our our own power or piety We have made him walk. Um, A minute ago, when Adrian came up to me, he was looking to hand me the microphone. He said, oh, you're hiding at the back. And then Bob said to me, he said, Stephen's over there. He's hiding at the back. And that's what I like to do. I like to hide at the back. That's what I like to do. And I'm sure that Peter, at that moment, when suddenly everybody from the temple is running to him, he just went, oh, no, (laughs) no. They're all looking at me because they think that somehow I'm powerful now. The word, the Greek word, means inherent power and capability to perform miracles, the ability to perform miracles. And, and Peter was anointed at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit and he could perform miracles. And now suddenly everybody's looking at him and going, oh, You could perform miracles. And he's going, Oh, no. Now they think that I'm a wonder worker who can perform miracles, that I've got all of this power within me, and it's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with me. Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? The word piety, it means respect that is given to God. And Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. They were going to pray. They were being very good. And all of the people they were meeting were at the temple at the time of prayer. And they were going to pray. And they must have looked at Peter and Peter thought, oh no. What they think is that this miracle has happened because we were all going to pray. Now prayer is a good thing, don't get me wrong. But it was a religious ritual. And he says, oh no, it's nothing to do with our religious rituals. Don't look at us as if somehow because we go and pray every day that that makes us so holy and we do all of our good deeds and, and that was why the man is healed. Don't look at us. It's nothing to do with us. Peter, said, <laughs> Peter wants them to focus on Jesus. Peter wants them to focus on Jesus. So he goes on in verse 13, verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. The Jewish people totally understood the concept of servanthood, being a servant. From the writings of Moses, Moses had written in Leviticus 25, verse 55, it said this, God says, for it is to me that the people of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God.'" So they were supposed to be the servants of God, these people of Israel. But Peter doesn't want to talk about the people being servants, he wants to point to Jesus as the glorified servant. When Peter says, the God of our fathers glorified His servant Jesus, he's actually quoting from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 52, verse 13 says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. In the Greek New Testament that Peter would have been familiar with, the word lifted up is actually glorified. So Peter would have read it, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and he shall be glorified and he shall be exalted. And so when Peter says, hey, The good of our fathers has glorified his servant. He's saying prophecy has been fulfilled. But who is this servant? Jesus. Jesus is the servant. But the people did not glorify Jesus as the servant of God. Peter accuses them. He says, you denied him in the presence of Pilate." oh no. You see, these people were supposed to be very religious and yet suddenly they're they're being accused of denying the servant of God. These people who are supposed to be the servants of God are now being accused of denying the servant of God who God glorified. let's read verse 13 again the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you the Jews totally understood the concept of being holy they knew what holiness was from the writings of Moses In Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, God said, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The word holy in the Hebrew means set apart, separate. Separate from the world, you are set apart for God. The people understood that they were a holy people. They were set apart as separate to God. When God calls us to be holy, He says, "I I want you to be separate to me. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that good news? When God says, I want you to be holy, He says, I've chosen you to be separate to me. But here... Peter is pointing to Jesus. He says, he's the holy one. He is the separated one. He has been separated totally to God. And what did you do? You delivered him over to Pilate. You separated him from yourself and gave him to the Gentiles, to those unclean people, those unholy people. That's what you did. Oh, no. He's accusing the holy nation of Israel of rejecting the Holy One. Verse 14, you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. The Jews totally understood the concept of being righteous. They understood it from the law of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5. Moses said, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes, they will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? The Jews understood righteousness... They understood it. They had all of their laws and rules and regulations, and they said, I can be right with God because I'll follow the rules and the the laws and the regulations. I will be right with God. They understood how to be righteous. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. And yet, Peter, he says, you denied the righteous one, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Well, that doesn't sound very righteous, does it? Moses said um, in Numbers 35, 31, he told the people, this is what God has said, do not accept a ransom for the life of a murderer who deserves to die. They're to be put to death. That is the righteous thing to do. And then also in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 1, Moses said, look, if there's a dispute between men, they come into court... The judges decide between them, acquit the innocent, condemn the guilty. Acquit the innocent, condemn the guilty. That's the righteous thing to do. And yet, (laughs) when they gave him over to Pilate, they gave Jesus over to Pilate, and what did Pilate do? He said, well, I can release Barabbas, a murderer, or I can release Jesus, the righteous one. What do you want? And the people said, "Hmm. Well, we don't want Jesus, the righteous one. So I guess we'll have the murderer released. That's totally unrighteous." Peter is accusing this righteous nation, who are at the temple, of being unrighteous. It's interesting uh, in the book in the book of Matthew when Matthew is talking about this story of Jesus being uh, before Pilate. Um, Pilate's wife has a dream, and in the dream, she, she sees something, and it's not exactly clear what she sees, but, but his wife sends words to Pilate, and she says this, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. He's a righteous man. I just, I don't fully understand it. I've just had this dream. I'm just telling you, Pilate, don't touch him. He's righteous. And Pilate's, says, Yeah. Okay, he's righteous, and there's a murderer. Which one do you want to set free? And the people denied Jesus and asked for the murderer to be granted to them. And that's what Peter is accusing them of. Let's read verse 15, Acts chapter 3, verse 15. (laughs) It only gets better. Look at what he's accusing them of now. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, so this we are witnesses. Well, the Jews totally understood the concept of God being an author of life from the writings of Moses. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living, breathing human being. And this is how all of us are alive today, because God is the author of life. He's the author of life. What about Jesus? In, in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 8, um, verse 18. Paul says this Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In the Greek word, the Greek word which uh, we have translated as author of life, it actually means chief leader. That's the actual Greek word. It's translated as author. But uh, in the King James Version, they translate it as prince, the prince of life. But he's the chief leader of life. That's who Jesus is, the chief leader of life. Uh, John, in his gospel, you'll be familiar with it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him was life. He is the beginning. He is the chief leader of life. He's the author of life. And he's the firstborn from the dead. And this is what Peter says. You killed the author of life. (laughs) You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses Of this. So another accusation. What have the people done? This servant people of God have rejected the servant of God. This holy people of God have denied the Holy One of God. This righteous people of God have acted unrighteously and rejected the righteous one. The ones who should respect the life of God. have rejected the one who is the life of God. Oh, well, that's bad news, isn't it? (laughs) All the people were rushing there because they saw this man had been healed. They were like, this is so exciting. This is great news. And Peter comes along and says, right, you've done that wrong, and you've done this wrong, and you've done that wrong, and oh, no. (laughs) We thought we were going to get good news, and we've got bad news instead. But the thing is, Peter Peter has a message to bring. He says, don't look to me, look to Jesus. And so we read in verse 16 of chapter 3. And his name, Jesus' name, by faith in Jesus' name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Trust in Jesus, he says. Trust in the power of his name. Put your trust in him. By faith in him, everything that is broken can be restored. That is the good news. Everything that seems to have gone wrong can be healed. That is the good news. So Peter will go on to... Describe more about who Jesus is. The first thing he's going to describe is Jesus as the Christ. Now, I want to explain a little bit about who the Christ was. In, um, in the Greek language, they use the word Christ. But it, the word Christ is simply a translation from the Hebrew. The writers of old said, you know what? People don't understand what the Hebrew word means. The Hebrew word was Messiah. They said, hmm, nobody's going to understand what Messiah is. People need to understand what the word Messiah means. Let's translate it into their language, Greek. All right, Christ. That's what it means. Okay, well, that doesn't help us because Christ is a Greek language and we don't understand Greek, do we? Well, I, I understand a little bit, but not enough. So it's useless. It doesn't tell me what the word means. The word means anointed one. Messiah simply means anointed. Christ simply means anointed. But it means more than that because anointed as what? Anointed as king. Anointed as king. The people were uh, expecting uh, the king. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is speaking to some of the Pharisees. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And the Pharisees answered, oh, he's the son of David. Immediately. Well, that's an easy one. We know who the Christ will be. We know who the anointed one will be. He's the son of David because David was anointed as king. And therefore, the Christ, the anointed one, will also be king. It's easy. But the trouble is that they didn't understand that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't understand that Jesus, the son of David, was their king. And so they rejected him and they killed him. So what does Peter say in response to this? Well, let's uh, read on. Acts chapter 3 and verse 17. And this is lovely, isn't it? Peter says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also Your rulers. You were ignorant. You didn't know. I'm not accusing you that you knew all of this. You didn't know. You were ignorant. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Peter knows that they were ignorant because he was ignorant too. Peter was ignorant. He didn't know. You may remember the story of Jesus in in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus uh, began to show his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem and he had to suffer and he had to die. And Peter rebuked him and said, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. You're not going to suffer. And Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) You've got it wrong. You don't understand. You're ignorant. You're ignorant. The prophets prophesy that the Christ has I've got to read a few passages from Luke 24. Perhaps you want to turn to Luke 24, because uh, I just love it's only a few passages, but I just want to read these passages to you about Jesus being risen from the dead. And in Luke 24, uh, from verse 22, uh, this is on the road to Emmaus and the people are uh, really upset because they think Jesus has died. And in Luke 24 from verse 22, um, Jesus has, is accompanying them on the journey, but they don't know that it's Jesus. He's in disguise. They don't realize that Jesus is with them, so they're speaking to Jesus, but they don't realize that it's Jesus. So verse 22, Moreover, And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They had no clue. They didn't understand, but Jesus had to explain it to them. And then later, uh, in verse 44, uh, when he's appearing to the rest of the disciples, he would have been appearing to Peter at this time, because Peter wouldn't have had a clue either. In verse 44, Jesus said to them, Look, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opens their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's the message. And Peter suddenly understands it and his mind is being open to it. and He's going, ah, I get it now. And so when he is speaking to the crowd and saying, you've really done a bad, you've really messed up, (laughs) you're totally, but actually, I understand it now, and I can tell you, God had it all planned out, it was all in the scriptures, that Christ had to suffer for you, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. And so, going back to Acts chapter 3, this is exactly the message that Peter now proclaims in verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Repent, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Hallelujah. And that is the message, isn't it? That's the message of the cross, This is why Jesus died, that he may take all the punishment for your sins. Everything you've done wrong, you can be forgiven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he goes on in verse 20. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Well, what's that God? Why is he saying that? What's he on about? He's saying Jesus Christ is in heaven at the moment. Heaven must receive Jesus at the moment until the time for restoring all things. Well, uh, just a, a few chapters earlier, in chapter 1, verse Three, uh, it says Jesus presented himself alive to the disciples after his suffering by many proofs. And in verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what the restoration is. That's what they're hoping for. They want the king, who is the Christ, the anointed one, to come and restore the kingdom to Israel. That is their hope. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, well, it's not for you to know the times. (laughs) You know, that will happen at some point in the future. But Peter here is is preaching to them and saying, no, it's going to happen. It will happen. Christ is in heaven at the moment, the anointed king. But he's going to come back and he will have restoration. That is the promise. There will be restoration. The kingdom will come. That's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And we're still praying it. Your kingdom come. But it will happen. It will happen. So Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed king. Next, verse 22. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. I don't have time really to go into it. But Moses said, look, there's going to be a prophet like me. And uh, interestingly, that's in Deuteronomy. If you want to look it up later, it's Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 to 19, when Moses said, he prophesied there's going to be a prophet like me. And you should listen to him. But right at the end of the writings of Moses in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, it says, there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So right at the end of the books of Moses, it's like we're still waiting for the prophet. There there still hasn't been a prophet like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. We're still waiting. And that's been the hope ever since. We're still waiting for that prophet like Moses And now Peter comes along and says, hey, you know this Jesus, he's not only the anointed king, he's the prophet like Moses who you've been waiting for. Jesus himself declared it. In John chapter 5, verse 46, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. And in the very next chapter, chapter 6, uh, verse, thir- verse 14, some of the people see a miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. He says, they say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. There was this hope. He, he must be the prophet. They were waiting for the prophet. So what is Peter's message? <laughs> you must listen to Jesus. You did reject him, but Moses, and you know the law of Moses, Moses said there's going to be a prophet, you have to listen to him. And this is Peter's message. Jesus is the prophet. You need to listen to him. Don't look to me, he's saying. Don't look to me. Look to Jesus and listen to him. There's one final thing that, uh, that uh, there's two more verses, aren't there, in Acts chapter 3. Verse 24 and 25. Oh, and 26, three more verses, okay. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all of the families of earth be blessed. Um, If you want to look it up later, it's in Genesis 22, uh, verses 15 to 18, after After Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, then God said to him, In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But that was a sort of prophetic thing, wasn't it? Abraham had gone to sacrifice his son Isaac, and yet then God said, Don't don't kill him. Don't worry, you were willing to sacrifice your son. In your offspring shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed. And Peter picks up on this. And the New Testament writers pick up on this. And they say, hmm, I think the offspring isn't Isaac, the offspring is Jesus. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says this, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel, the good news, beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed, and in verse 16, Paul goes on. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, but it does not to say to offsprings plural. It says to offspring singular. Who is Christ? And so Paul is understanding that it is in the offspring who is Jesus that all nations shall be blessed. The prophetic word to Abraham, in your offspring shall all nations be blessed, is, ah, in Jesus shall all nations be blessed. And this is exactly what Peter says in the final verse of our chapter. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Yeah, the blessing's coming. He wants to bless you and and turn you from wickedness and give you his blessing. There is good news. So what is Peter's message? Peter's saying, don't look at me. I want to hide. (laughs) Don't think that it's to do with me. Yes, I may have the Holy Spirit within me to, to perform a healing miracle, but it's nothing to do with me. And yes, I may be coming to, to pray regularly at the temple, but it's nothing to do with my piety or my respect for God. No, it's all to do with Jesus. Look to Jesus. Number one, Jesus is God's servant. Look to him. He will serve God for you. Number two, Jesus is holy. He's set apart and he calls you. When you look to him, he calls you also to be set apart to him. Jesus is righteous. He is totally righteous, and he's the author of life, number four. And number five, Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, who will return to rule over you as anointed king. So repent, turn back to God. Number six, Jesus is the prophet like Moses, who will teach us, so listen to him. Number seven, Jesus is the offspring of Abraham, who will bless us, and turn us away from wickedness. So trust him. Peter says, why are you looking at us? (laughs) Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank and praise you that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place. It doesn't matter what we've done. Lord, we see the story of these people who, (laughs) in their ignorance, they totally rejected Jesus. They were totally unrighteous. They did not serve you, Lord God. They were totally unholy. These people who went to the temple to pray, and yet when Peter revealed their sin, they knew that they had done the wrong thing. And yet there was that promise of repent and be forgiven. The Messiah will come. Listen to him. Trust him he will bless you. Lord, we thank you for your blessings and we pray that as we turn to you, as we turn to the Lord Jesus, as we call on his name, that you will bless us, that we will hear his voice, that we will know him and we will know all of your blessings. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Amen.